United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. The Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, this week was speaking in Washington, D.C. at the Department of Justice, a religious freedom summit, among other things. Here's what he said. Uh, I am announcing our next step, the Religious Liberty Task Force, to be co-chaired by the Associate Attorney General, Jesse, and the Assistant Attorney General for Office of Legal Policy, Beth. The task force will help the department fully implement our religious liberty guidance by ensuring that all Justice Department components, and we've gotten a lot of components around the country, are upholding that guidance in the cases they bring and defend, the arguments they make in court, the policies and regulations they adopt, and how we conduct our operations. Obviously, the United States only one part of the global issue of religious freedom. It is Religious Freedom Week, and is for that reason we have Susan Hayward with us, United States Institute of Peace Senior Advisor on Religion and Inclusive Societies, tweeting at Susie O. Hayward. Susan, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Tim. It's great to be here. Talk about the the rights, as you know, enshrined in Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of HR for people to believe and practice freely. Discuss what that declaration says. So Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights enshrines the right for people of all faiths to believe and practice their faith freely, to choose their own religion, to choose to not practice their religion, and to do all of that without fear of persecution by the government or uh, persecution by social hostilities by communities around them. That is a declaration. What is the reality? The reality is that around the world, um, about over 80% of the global population exists in environments where they face either government restrictions to practice their religion freely, or they face uh, high or very high levels of social hostility because of their religious identity. And those are numbers that are uh, offered by Pew Research Center, which has tracked an uptick in religious persecution worldwide. Are there particular sects that are most subject to or victimized by this discrimination? Well, so the, in, in the two ways that it's tracked, both government restrictions and social hostilities, those manifest sometimes in partnership and sometimes not in, in partnership around the world. So, for example, China is the country where you see the highest levels of government restriction, whereas India is a context where you, where you don't have as much necessarily government restriction, but you have high levels of social hostility. And so both are measured. And those affect, uh, those affect communities of all faiths. What we are seeing, religious minorities are those who face the most acute forms of persecution often, although we also see people in, in majority faiths who are persecuted because they may hold unorthodox views or, or again, those of no faith. Um, what we've seen recently is an, is an uptick, especially affecting um, Muslims in Europe, for example, who are facing either government restrictions or they're facing social hostilities by uh, nationalist political movements that are targeting them. And how so, does this discrimination manifest itself? Is it through job discrimination? Is it through uh, some other kinds of measure that is either government or, as you mentioned, there's government and there's also social um, hostility? Maybe if you could tell us how we usually see this manifest itself. Yeah, so it's, it's both and. 
Um, so what we see are governments enforcing greater oversight and restrictions on religious speech and practice. And we're, we're seeing this in a lot of places around the world. And some of it is a response to forms of violent extremism that operate within religious spaces or that uh, use religious rhetoric in order to justify violence that particularly affects minority communities. But again, also those who may espouse uh, religious beliefs that are not in keeping with their own religious vision. And so as a response to that, governments are exerting more control um, over religious practice and speech under the, the guise of security. The unfortunate thing is that that can have a counterproductive effect because as governments exert more control over religious spaces, that can fuel resentment and anti-state violence by groups. And then we're also seeing worldwide um, the social hostility, so an, an increase in forms of um, prejudice, in uh, forms of, of actually violent attacks against uh, that, that affect minorities in particularly acute ways again. Again, with us, Susan Hayward, United States Institute of Peace, Senior Advisor on Religion and Inclusive Societies. And I I go back to the idea of government discrimination, and it it, it has been the case throughout history that often governments are formed based on a religious viewpoint of a society or a country. I mean, divine right of kings, etc. And I wonder if modern democracy is changing that and, and how much that is a part of the discrimination. In other words, if there is an institutional adopted religion, if you will, uh, or even if it's a de facto government religion, what what effect does that have on discrimination in some of these countries? Yeah, so about 40% of the countries around the world have either a, an official religion or they have a preferred religion. Uh, and, and, and some of those countries include democracies, so that includes countries in Europe, such as the UK and others. It's, uh, it's According to international law, it's not necessarily a problem to have an official religion so long as those who don't belong to that official religion are not persecuted or restricted because of that. Um, It can create challenges in practice because of um, part of the broader definition of religious freedom also ensures non-discrimination based on religious identity. So ensuring equal access to government service, to government support, and so on, for those who may not be a part of the official religion, um, can be more of a challenge in those places. So there's in the, um, the, minute, the religious freedom ministerial that happened last week that was convened by Secretary Pompeo, Vice President Pence, and uh, Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom, Sam Brownback. At the conclusion of that ministerial, they uh, issued a Potomac Declaration Plan of Action to advance international religious freedom. And one of the things they noted on that in, in that plan of action was the need for those countries that do have an official religion or a preferential religion to ensure that the ways in which, for example, different communities um, register with the government if they belong to the, the unofficial uh, religion is not burdensome or create undue barriers for, for them to be able to establish their own places of worship and to be able to practice freely. So this continues to be a, a debate within um, liberal democratic systems, and especially those that, that have an official religion, how to do that in a way that doesn't restrict people who may not belong to that official religion. And just in general terms, Susan, if you could, as we get ready to wrap this up, is organized religion uh, on the rise or on the wane worldwide? Well, it depends on where you look. Um, so uh, 
overall, there is um, the, over 84% of the world's population still identifies within a religious tradition. So in some places around the world, you have seen a decline um, overall in the past few decades in people's affiliation with official religion or uh, sort of traditional religious institutions. Um, but, but, but despite that, religion continues, and in some places, religion is even more thriving than it was before. Um, sometimes in response to issues of globalization and violence and so on that create insecurity, and so people are, are turning to religious institutions in order uh, to, to find um, some means by which to deal with the instability within the global system generally. Susan, I appreciate you spending time with us in POTUS today. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too, Susan Hayward, United States Institute of Peace Senior Advisor on Religion and Inclusive Societies, another issue that we like to get into. It's not the shiny object that you're seeing on TV, but it is an important one. Today or this week is Religious Freedom Week, and we wanted to give you the global's perspective, and Susan was here to join us to do that. She's tweeting, by the way, at Susie O, S-U-S-I-E, and the letter O, H-A-Y-W-A-R-D. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.